The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. All right, we have very important breaking news today, and it's it's actually not all bad news. Uh, the coronavirus vaccine from Pfizer and BioNTech has been approved for emergency use in the United Kingdom. And this is a huge deal for a number of different reasons, some obvious, some maybe less obvious to people um, who are planning to get the vaccine, because you need to understand what's going on in the mind of the anti-vaxxers in order to understand uh, some some of the relevance here. So I'll, I'll explain it all to you. So first and foremost, the vaccine approved in the UK for emergency use, this first vaccine uh, is the same vaccine that was submitted for approval in the United States made by Pfizer and BioNTech, German and American companies. The FDA is meeting next week to decide on emergency use approval here in the United States as well. In the UK, their own agency, the Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency, which licenses drugs in the United Kingdom, looked at the trial data. As you know, the trial data indicates that this vaccine is 95 percent effective at generating immunity to the coronavirus and said, yes, the data is good. Let's start vaccinating people. Now, it is still going to be labeled experimental until final testing is done. This is similar to here in the US. If the FDA approves it next week, um, I believe they are meeting um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday next week or maybe uh, right right around that time Um, in the US. It would be given an emergency use authorization, not a full approval equivalent situation happening in the UK. The UK now expects 800,000 doses within days, and they expect people to be receiving the vaccine uh, really as soon as that happens, potentially Monday in the UK, they are talking about this is happening and it is a really, really big deal. It is the start of and it is going to be a long tunnel, but we are starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Now, this vaccine Uh, different than the Moderna vaccine. The Pfizer BioNTech vaccine requires storage at minus 70 degrees Celsius. So it's believed that all of the initial vaccination in the UK is going to be happening at hospitals that already uh, have or were able to set up the equipment to store vaccines at that cold temperature. Now, the reasons that this is so important, some are obvious and some are not so obvious. We need a vaccine, and this is a hundred year global pandemic with what in the US is soon to be a 9 11 a day in terms of deaths. We need a vaccine, and so this is huge. But the reason that this is also important, specifically because the UK has done this, is that there are people in the US who are not necessarily anti vaxxers in general, but they're worried about the safety of a vaccine that is simply approved when Donald Trump is president. The idea being that any agency, including the FDA, could maybe be influenced by Donald Trump into approving something that should not yet be approved. Now, we've heard from Anthony Fauci that that's not the case. Once it became clear that despite Donald Trump's pleading in July, August and September, none of the pharmaceutical companies developing vaccines pushed for approval before the election. I was increasingly reassured that we're not going to see haphazard rushed approval requests from pharmaceutical companies. But if you were still worried about that, 
We now have a different country's health regulatory agency that has said this same vaccine is okay to use. So the point is, if you just don't trust the FDA under Trump, even if Trump is now a lame duck and is unlikely to still be pushing them to do anything they shouldn't do, you can say I'm going to go by the British health regulatory agency's decision. Soon we're expecting the same thing from the EU's health regulatory agency. It's the same vaccine, the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine. And here in the US, as soon as next weekend, spoke to a doctor recently on the West Coast who said we have been told expect to get vaccinated maybe next weekend or just a couple of days after that. This is a major achievement. Pfizer says it can produce 80 million doses this year which would be for 40 million people and 1.3 billion doses next year, which would be enough for 650 million people. Remembering that you need two doses. This is needed acutely. The numbers in the US are brutal. We've not yet even seen the impact of the millions and millions of people who traveled for Thanksgiving to gather indoors and then travel home. And we still had yesterday 2000 614 deaths. Yesterday we saw the most deaths in a single day dating all the way back to April 21st. And within days we are expecting to absolutely blow through those numbers. Within a week we could see the most deaths in a single day of the entire pandemic. We are very close to a 9/11's worth of deaths every single day. Now the ship has sailed on convincing a huge part of this country about how serious this is. And the tragedy is that lots of those same people who refuse to behave responsibly also aren't interested in a vaccine. And we're going to have to figure out how we deal with that. I don't know the answer. As I spoke about with Congressman Ro Khanna yesterday, these vaccines initially will not be given to children. So if you look at our population, bearing in mind we need about 70 percent immunity for herd immunity. That means close to every adult has to be vaccinated for herd immunity, given that children will not be eligible for vaccines initially. This is an uphill battle. And the tragic irony of the people demanding everything go back to normal right away, those are the same people refusing to do the things that would actually help us to get back to normal. So great news from the UK. We're keeping an eye on whether we will get a press conference from the FDA next week announcing their decision about this same Pfizer BioNTech vaccine. And uh, we will we will make every effort to cover that press conference live if indeed it happens. Joe Biden has made a major selection to his cabinet pick for his incoming cabinet that I wholeheartedly absolutely think is a disastrous choice. And uh, that is the choice of Neera Tandon to lead OMB. OMB is the Office of Management and Budget. That's a cabinet level position. I believe this is by far Joe Biden's worst selection. I like many of Joe Biden's picks. Alejandro Mayorkas for the de, uh, Department of Homeland Security secretary. Super interesting. A good pick. Well qualified. Janet Yellen for Treasury. We've already talked about her. I think that's a good pick. There's a long list of good selections by Joe Biden and all qualified. But Neera Tandon is a disastrous selection and is a sign of kowtowing to the worst of the worst of the establishment Democratic Party cronyism that is off putting and distasteful and disgusting. Neera Tandon is primarily known 
as a Hillary Clinton loyalist, to put it put to put it plainly, uh, one of these Democratic elites that helped sink Bernie back in 2016. She's proposed cutting Social Security in the past. Uh, back in 2010, Neera Tandon was involved in a, a Center for American Progress, which is the, the organization she ran um, a, a CAP proposal to cut Social Security. But not only do I think this is a bad pick because it is exactly the type of Democratic Party cronyism that the party should be getting away from. I also think this is a bad pick because it's controversial on both sides, with many Republicans thinking that Neera Tandon is just bonkers and progressives thinking she's a true centrist establishment shill that is the epitome of the problem of the Democratic Party. So you've got the Bernie left furious because they see this as just a smack in the face. Her organization regularly going after Bernie, as I already mentioned. But you've also got right wingers who think Neera Tandon is nuts. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham calling Neera Tandon a quote nut job. And I don't really care what crazy Republicans think about Joe Biden's picks, except that they will have the ability to create real obstacles for confirmation. And it will be a battle for Joe Biden to get someone confirmed that much of the left doesn't like either. Uh, Lindsey Graham saying, quote, if you want to make sure this nut job Tandon doesn't become the director of the budget in charge of OMB, then make sure we win Georgia. So Republicans using this to try to win those races in Georgia, they may create obstacles and it, it'll be a confirmation battle. The progressive wing of the Democratic Party is disgusted and Republicans have already signaled that they could block confirmation of Neera Tandon. The left and right both have problems. This is definitely not in keeping, by the way, with Joe Biden's unite the country theme, unless he means unite the country against Neera Tandon. I see no gain from this politically. I see no benefit from this for a Biden administration just in terms of the day to day. Now, much of the case being made for Neera Tandon is an identity case. She grew up in Section 8 housing and now she's going to run the national budget. OK, but she could run it in a good way or a bad way. The, the fact that she grew up in Section 8 housing doesn't tell us whether she's a good or bad pick. She's the first Indian American in this position. OK, but is she the right person for it? And as I've said before, identity can be enlightening and informative if the person is otherwise qualified. Kamala Harris is a very well qualified person to be vice president. She could be president on day one if it were necessary. And it's very interesting and inspiring that she will be the first female president or vice president ever in history. That's really interesting. That's inspiring. That's relevant. But if she were unqualified, being a woman wouldn't be a reason to put her in that position. And in seeing many of the defenses of Neera Tandon so far, I'm seeing experience and connections mentioned, which means She's an insider. OK, and I'm seeing identity stories which by themselves don't do too much for me. Now, in the meantime, Neera Tandon has been on a tweet delete rampage, deleting about eighteen hundred tweets, many of them critical of Bernie Sanders and of Elizabeth Warren. So to be clear, I can be against this selection 
and be in favor of others. Yesterday on a live stream, I mentioned I don't at all like this selection of Neera Tandon. And I started getting emails and messages from people saying, David, why are you attacking Joe Biden? This is not the time to attack Biden. Listen, Biden won and he's going to be president. If saying I think Neera Tandon is a bad pick while lots of other picks are good, and if that counts as attacking Joe Biden, we're going to have a long four years ahead of us, my friends. But I think most of the audience understands um, I can dislike this selection and like others and still believe that voting for Joe Biden over Donald Trump was the right choice, as I did and as I continue to believe. Let me know your thoughts. What am I missing? Am I misguided in my criticism of Neera Tandon? Let me know. I'm on Twitter at D Pacman. The David Pacman Show at DavidPacman.com. One of our sponsors today is a brand called So Ketolicious. If you follow a ketogenic diet or you just want to cut back on carbs, check this out. So Ketolicious is perfected ketogenic crusts for baking your favorite foods. They make a delicious keto dessert crust, which comes in a chocolate and vanilla flavor and is perfect for making things like pies. They also offer a premium keto pizza crust, which I myself have been using at home to make pizzas and it's absolutely great. It's ready to go right out of the freezer when you cook it. It doesn't fall apart like some of these other low carb crusts do. It's high fat, which is perfect for keto. It's grain free and gluten free. They don't use any soy or additives, preservatives or fillers. But most importantly, it just tastes good. I can tell you firsthand eating a low carb diet does not mean you have to sacrifice your favorite things like pizza and pies. And so Ketolicious makes it really easy and really delicious. Just go to davidpackmancom slash pizza. The link is in the podcast notes and they will give you 10% off your entire order when you use coupon code Pacman. One of our sponsors is privacy.com. They're giving you $5 when you sign up for their completely free service at privacy.com slash Pacman. I've been using privacy for a little over a year now. You've heard me talk about it before. It's a lifesaver and here's how it works. Takes just a couple of minutes to set up. Anytime you buy something online or on the phone, instead of actually using your real credit card number, the privacy app and the browser plugin, let you give each company a randomized virtual credit card number that you create out of thin air. It'll even autofill the card number with one click and the payment is taken out of your checking account without the merchant ever knowing your real information. So this allows you to keep your banking information secure, but also to take control of your finances. You can create up to 12 of these virtual credit cards a month. You can set spending limits. You can freeze them. You can delete them anytime you want. So when you do this, it means you're not going to be charged when you don't want to be because you can destroy the virtual card number right after using it, which, for instance, I love using free trials because I know I won't be charged when the trial is over. If I use a virtual credit card number, you're keeping your identity private by not telling companies who you are. You're keeping your bank or credit card info protected against data breaches and identity theft. And it's free. There's no catch whatsoever. But if you want, privacy also offers a $10 a month plan that gives you 1% cash back and lets you create 36 credit cards a month and a $25 a month plan tailored more for small businesses where you can create 60 card numbers a month and much more. 
but definitely go ahead and at least get started with the free plan. You'll protect your financial info. Companies can't charge you unexpectedly. And like I said, you'll get $5 to spend when you sign up at privacy.com slash Pacman. The David Pacman Show at davidpacman.com. All right. Remember that this program is mostly funded. We depend on people like you who presumably like the show. I guess you could support it even if you hate it, who go to joinpacman.com and they get a membership. It's quick. It's easy. It's very inexpensive. And you'll get instant access to the award winning bonus show. They are all awards given out by producer Pat. I admit that. I don't know how valuable those are, but they are awards nonetheless. Grab a membership at joinpacman.com. We do have Hatriot Mail really ramping up lately, and we've been doing like triple duty on Hatriot Mail. We've been posting some Hatriot Mail to my Instagram. We've been posting Hatriot Mail to Twitter, and we still have Hatriot Mail on the show. Just a quick reminder about what that is. The covid vaccine we're praising our savior Donald Trump for delivering is the very same one we'll refuse to take because Bill Gates put microchips in it. Patriot Mail, written by patriots who hate David Pakman because America and because freedom. All right. So much of this Patriot Mail, there's two themes since the election. One is the Patriot Mail has become significantly more anti-Semitic, maybe not a surprise. And number two, the Patriot Mail has become much more focused on how Trump actually won, which probably also is not a surprise given the narrative from the right over the last month. Let's take a listen to this week's. Pacman, are you mad that your Jew brothers, the Chabad, will help Trump win the election if he even needs the help? Pacman, you must be a Jew. Those are the stupid demon rats that hate Trump. What a liar you are. Skinny Jew David Pacman has pretty much lost his plot now that the whole Trump voter fraud thing is proven. Just a heads up. What will you do when Trump gets four years again? Biden president? Never going to happen. The voter fraud thing is proven. Trump's completely biased attorney general William Barr has even said there is no evidence of voter fraud at this time. We'll cover that in a moment. If anyone would be out there saying there's fraud, if there was even an iota of evidence of it, it would be William Barr. And then again, you know, the what is it about the like what if if you're a Trumpist and you're mad that Trump lost? Why do you email me and say anti-Semitic things? I, I continue to fail to see the causality of why when the right is mad about anything, they email me anti-Semitic things. But what I can tell you that I'm very confident in is that the best way to fight patriotism in your community is to get a membership on my website with the coupon code Hatriot 40. It's a beautiful thing. You sign up at joinpacman.com. You enter the coupon code Hatriot 40 H A T R I O T four zero. You save 40 percent and the Hatriots cry because their messages are not hurting the show. That's the way to do it. OK, you might remember this guy named William Barr. He is the attorney general. After all, he's Donald Trump's hatchet man attorney general. 
And he up until yesterday had all but completely disappeared from the public eye since he attended that White House super spreader event for Donald Trump's Supreme Court pick Amy Coney Barrett. That was that event which set in motion this chain of coronavirus cases. Barr went missing for a while after that point. Barr resurfaced yesterday to say without any hesitation at this point, there is no evidence of widespread election fraud that would have affected the election results in any way. Now, you still have people saying, well, what about this one vote? A dead person really did vote. The point is, there is no evidence at this point of fraud of any materially significant nature to the election. You also immediately had counter articles coming out saying, no, Barr didn't clear everybody of fraud. What, what Barr said is to date, there is no evidence of materially significant election fraud. He said this in an interview yesterday with the Associated Press. His exact statement was, quote, to date, to date, we have not seen fraud on a scale that could have affected a different outcome in the election. There's been one assertion that would be systemic fraud. And that would be the claim that machines were programmed to skew the election results. And the DHS and DOJ have looked into that. And so far, we haven't seen anything to substantiate that. As this was breaking, Donald Trump tweeting, quote, hope everybody's watching OAN right now. Other media afraid to show people are coming forward like never before. Large truck carrying hundreds of thousands of fraudulent fake ballots to a voting center. Terrible. Save America. So at this point, Donald Trump's claims are sort of a running parallel commentary that's completely divorced from all the facts on the ground. Uh, and then immediately after William Barr said this, there was speculation that Donald Trump was going to fire him because within moments of that interview being published, uh, William Barr was seen arriving at the White House uh, and the speculation was, oh boy, Trump called him in and he's going to fire him right now. That's not at all what was going on. That was a pre-planned meeting with uh, the chief of staff, Mark Meadows, CNN's Caitlin Collins reporting that, quote, Attorney General Barr is in the West Wing for a meeting with Mark Meadows. An official says the meeting was planned before his interview with the Associated Press. Now, it certainly wouldn't be beyond Trump to fire William Barr for saying this. That would actually be totally unsurprising. But the speculation that the timing of Barr going to the White House after saying yesterday no evidence of, of election fraud. Um, that was mere speculation. And he was actually there to meet with the chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Now, there are all sorts of other things going on involving the Justice Department, some not very good for Trump, which could have been the reasons for William Barr or at least the subject matter of William Barr's meeting with chief of staff Mark Meadows. Let's talk about one of those next. As if Donald Trump needed any more scandals, this could be the scandal of all scandals. We have learned that the Justice Department is investigating a possible cash for Trump pardons scheme. Understand what this means. The idea is there are people out there who want to be pardoned by Donald Trump before Trump leaves office in about seven weeks. The idea that is being investigated is that you could pay someone to go and talk to Trump about pardoning you. And it is absolutely and utterly insane. 
We knew Trump would issue corrupt and cronyistic pardons. He did so with Michael Flynn last week. He did so with Roger Stone some months ago. But a cash for pardons scandal is another level altogether. And we learned about the existence of this investigation because of the release of some very redacted court documents that call this a bribery for pardon scheme. A ton of the 18 page document that was released a ton of it is blacked out. It's redacted entire swaths, large sections, even almost whole pages blacked out. Nobody who is involved has yet been named uh, uh, in the redacted documents. Presumably they are named in the unredacted documents. But what the document does say is that federal prosecutors in Washington say they've obtained evidence of a bribery scheme in which someone would offer a big political contribution in exchange for a presidential pardon or reprieve of sentence. The order said prosecutors were also investigating a secret lobbying scheme in which two unidentified individuals would lobby senior White House officials uh, about pardons without uh, uh, disclosing that without being registered properly as part of the lobbying disclosure act. The Justice Department wanted to keep this private because it detailed individuals and conduct that hasn't yet led to charges. And uh, it is an absolutely insane series of allegations. Now, I want to be really clear just because the pardons would ultimately be issued by Donald Trump doesn't mean that this was people giving Trump money for pardons. It's really important that we understand that. It wouldn't be surprising to me, given Trump's massive debts, if people were offering Trump money for pardons. That's not what we as of now believe is going on. The idea for now seems to be that if you want a pardon, you pay someone that someone goes and talks to senior White House officials. The idea being the White House officials then go to Trump and maybe never disclose that there is this whole bribery situation going on and say, hey, sir, Mr. President, you should really look at pardoning this person or that person. So it's still very early. Um, but my mind goes to how bad must this be if Donald Trump's own attorney general, William Barr's DOJ is investigating. And what, what I mean by that is William Barr is one of the most corrupt attorneys general we've ever seen in terms of political cronyism and partisanship. Even William Barr had to say there's no evidence of widespread voter fraud, which we covered earlier today. I can't imagine that William Barr would be eager to bring charges for criminal pardon bribery. But for William Barr to even have his Justice Department investigating this means that there has been a relatively high threshold uh, met already. This entire issue of pardons, of course, is a bigger issue. Uh, you know, the imagine a president ordering people to assassinate a political enemy and then pardoning them as an example. Um, the, the entire pardon process and infrastructure is riddled with uh, corruption, cronyism and lends itself to all sort all sorts of malfeasance. But we are now getting to investigations that are the types of things you see more often in developing and poorer countries, not typically the United States, but it's at least possibly happening here. Scandal after scandal after scandal. And, you know, we've got seven weeks left. What will we learn about in these last seven weeks? What will Trump do in these last seven weeks? And then once he's out of office, 
What are we going to learn? I, I don't believe that we will ever see uh, Trump indicted, prosecuted or jailed, as many of my viewers would like to see and as some of my viewers believe will happen. But I do believe that there is going to be another shoe that drops after Donald Trump is out of office uh, about all sorts of allegations of things he and the people around him did. And a lot of this explains why Donald Trump is now considering pardoning preemptively his own children, son in law and Rudy Giuliani. We will talk about that after the break. In the meantime, make sure you're following me on Instagram at david.pacman. Also follow the show on Instagram for more clips and extra content. David Pacman show on Instagram. The David Pacman show at davidpacman.com. I'm really excited that uh, one of our sponsors today is Helix Sleep. I sleep on a Helix mattress at home. I absolutely love it. And that's why I reached out to them about sponsoring the David Pakman show. Buying a mattress in the past was always a huge guessing game for me. I didn't know what I actually needed. I didn't know what I would like. But Helix has a sleep quiz on their website. You tell them your body type, your sleeping position, your back pain issues you might have. And their tool matched me with a mattress that is perfect for me. It's cool enough at night. It's the right firmness. I generally just do way better sleeping these days because of the mattress. Helix was awarded number one best overall mattress for the last two years by both GQ and Wired magazine. It is well deserved. I can tell you firsthand every Helix mattress comes with a 10 year warranty. You can try the mattress risk free for 100 nights and they will even come pick it up at your house if you don't love it. But I know you will. All of my viewers will get up to $200 off your order and you'll get two super premium pillows for free when you go to helixsleep.com slash Pacman. That's H E L I X sleep.com forward slash P A K M A N. You can also find the link in the podcast notes for this episode. I want to let you know that our sponsor Vincero watches is having a massive holiday sale on all of their products right now, and you can take advantage of it by going to davidpackmancom slash watch a brand new high quality wristwatch really is the perfect way to add something fresh to your style, whether it's for you or a gift for someone else. Vincero is a brand that has a serious dedication to the craft of watchmaking, which is really evident when you look closely at their watches. I wear Vincero watches myself. Lately, I've been wearing one from their Icon Automatic collection. It's the mesh matte black watch, and I love the sleek, minimalist design. Their watches are actually sold at a fair price. Their mission has always been to make a wristwatch from high end materials, but one that everyday people can afford. And that's why they have over 25,000 five star reviews, because you won't find a better made watch for this great of a price anywhere else. You can get big holiday discounts on all of their products right now and free shipping when you go to davidpackman.com slash watch. I've put the link in the podcast notes. Welcome back to the David Pakman show. 
So the grift and the corruption are both coming full circle. Rudy Giuliani has reportedly discussed a blanket preemptive pardon from President Donald Trump in these last seven weeks before Trump leaves office. Trump also reportedly considering preemptive blanket pardons for three of his children, as well as his son in law, Jared Kushner. The New York Times can report based on multiple sources told about the conversation that Rudy Giuliani as recently as last week was talking to Donald Trump about a pardon. It's not clear as of yet whether Rudy Giuliani originally brought it up to Trump or whether Trump brought it up to Giuliani. But there have now reportedly been multiple conversations. The most recent one was last week. Donald Trump has reportedly not yet decided what he will do about pardoning Rudy Giuliani. And the same questions remain about Trump pardoning Jared Kushner, as well as his children, Ivanka, Don Jr. and Eric. Now, Trump reportedly not considering a pardon for Tiffany Trump. I guess he doesn't expect that she might uh, be charged with anything. But the, the immediate question is pardon from what? Rudy hasn't even been charged with anything. Neither have his children. And that is exactly the question that's raising the most attention. It's not actually clear what Rudy Giuliani might be charged with in the future. But the fact that it's being discussed multiple times at the highest levels is very interesting. We know that Rudy was being investigated last summer by federal investigators for maybe violating lobbying law through the work he did with Ukraine. But beyond that, it's not exactly clear. Now, what we do know is that as a general concept, the idea here is that with regard to his children and son in law, at least, and it may be similar with Rudy Giuliani. Donald Trump believes that there will be partisan investigations and possibly prosecutions of his children after he leaves office. And so it's not because from from Trump's perspective, it's not that he thinks his kids committed crimes. It's that he thinks they didn't, but they might be charged with crimes anyway by a partisan Joe Biden administration. What you know, there's this funny thing. Um, Trump always projects his immorality and his do whatever for a buck or whatever for revenge sort of attitude on other people. Trump is worried Biden would go after Trump's kids, even though they didn't do anything as far as Trump is concerned, because that's exactly what Trump would do if he were Joe Biden. But Joe Biden has clearly shown no interest and has even said he has no plan to direct his Justice Department to do anything of the sort. But a lot of Trump's behavior is motivated by what Trump imagines he would do if in someone else's position. Now, uh, Rudy Giuliani's spokeswoman was asked about the seeking a pardon, and she said Giuliani can't comment on any discussions he's had with his client, Trump being his client. So what we're talking about here are blanket, broad, open ended, preemptive pardons. This is very rare, but it has happened in the past. George Washington. Yeah, we have to go back. We don't have to go back that far. But one notable example goes back to George Washington, who pardoned those who were plotting the Whiskey Rebellion so that they wouldn't be prosecuted for treason. Uh, Gerald Ford pardoned Richard Nixon for all his actions as president. Now, it is important to remember a few important things about presidential pardons. Number one. They work for federal crimes, not state crimes. So if the Southern District of New York, as an example, were to bring charges against Rudy or Ivanka or whoever, we're still not sure for what. But if they did, the pardon from Trump wouldn't protect them there. Number two, whether preemptive blanket pardons work is a legal question. And what I mean by that is a president can do it. 
And in the past, these preemptive pardons have dissuaded anybody from prosecuting the pardoned individuals. Like, for example, when Gerald Ford pardoned Richard Nixon, the pardon was challenged legally. It was found to be constitutional, but it was never brought to the Supreme Court. It is conceivable that a Supreme Court could say a blanket preemptive pardon is not OK. Whether it ever gets to the Supreme Court is a question. And, you know, with with the Supreme Court we have right now, I'm not sure this Supreme Court is going to rule against blanket preemptive pardons from Donald Trump. So that's one part of this. Now, as far as Donald Trump is concerned, he just pardoned his convicted former national security adviser, Michael Flynn, last week. He previously commuted the sentence of Roger Stone. He also pardoned less well-known people. Now, just a funny side note, things are so crazy right now that when I read the original headline about this story, I thought maybe Rudy and Trump talked about Trump pardoning Trump. The first headline I saw said something like Giuliani discussed a preemptive pardon with Trump. That could mean Giuliani talked to Trump about Trump pardoning Rudy, but it could also mean that as his lawyer, Giuliani talked to Trump about Trump pardoning himself. And a self pardon is a completely different story. Unclear whether that is something Donald Trump could do. So the long and short of it is Rudy wants immunity for everything, no matter what, in perpetuity and a sort of free pass. And that would be for things what that let me see how I can say this the right way. The the pardon can't be for things that you do after the pardon. So in other words, if Rudy is pardoned and the next day commits a federal crime, the legal consensus is that would not be covered by a presidential pardon. We're going to follow it. Many pardons coming from Donald Trump in the next seven weeks, for sure. The uh, Small Business Administration released a bunch of data about the businesses that received PPP money and EIDL loans through the coronavirus stimulus that was done some months ago. And immediately a very troubling pattern was revealed in which Donald Trump's own businesses and his son in law, Jared Kushner's own businesses benefited hugely from these funds. Listen to some of what we've learned. Twenty five PPP loans worth more than three point six million dollars were given to businesses with addresses at Trump and Kushner real estate properties paying rent to Trump and Kushner. So that's indirect. Trump and Kushner benefited from rent money that was obtained by their tenants from PPP. That's number one. Number two, 15 of those properties self-reported that they only kept one job, zero jobs or simply didn't report jobs retained thanks to that money. Loans to Trump and Kushner properties include a two million dollar loan to the Triumph Restaurant Corporation located inside Trump Hotel and Tower in New York City. They reported that the money did not go to keeping any jobs and then they closed down. I'll take the money, then I'll close and I'll keep the money. A company called LB City Incorporated, which is located at Kushner's Bungalow Hotel in Jersey, received a loan for half a million bucks and used that to keep some jobs. Two tenants at 725 Fifth Avenue, which is Trump Tower, received more than one hundred thousand dollars and kept only three jobs, three jobs total. Four tenants at the Kushner owned the infamous 6665 6665 Fifth Avenue in Manhattan 
received more than two hundred thousand dollars and kept only six jobs. And this entire thing has ended up being a major cash grab for Trump and Kushner directly and indirectly. Over 100 loans, we also learned, were made to companies where no business name was listed in the field where you're supposed to put in your business name to get the money. They either put in uh, nothing or like it, it listed a phone number or a date. Like that could be a clerical error, but it also might not be. I go and ask for a loan and they say, oh, uh, uh, what, what's the business name? Oh, the business name is June 17th. Oh, sure. Here, have some money. So first of all, none of this should come as a shock. Obviously, Trump and his family were going to take advantage of this money in any way that they could. But meanwhile, remember that we're supposed to believe we can't afford health care. We can't afford uh, to make sure nobody goes hungry. We can't afford to forgive student loan debt. We can't even afford a $15 an hour minimum wage. We can't do mortgage and rent relief during coronavirus. But look at all of this money that is just flying around, much of which should not be. Uh, remember that right after the stimulus was approved, Donald Trump removed the person in charge of oversight of stimulus funds. So it was obvious that they were going to do this from day one. Trump and Kushner grifted the hell out of the coronavirus stimulus money. But we're supposed to believe Joe Biden is the socialist. And that's where, you know, when you come around, the truth really doesn't matter when you have nearly half the country so radicalized by ideas like trust Fox News and Joe Biden is a socialist and Trump will fix all of your problems that it doesn't matter what the facts on the ground are and understand the contrast here, for example. Um, for, uh, I mean, listen, I've talked I've told the story before. I'll tell it again. I my uh, lawyer and accountant contacted me when the stimulus stuff was was announced and said, you, you, you can get money. You can get money and you won't have to pay it back like you could just take money. And at the time, I mean, maybe I did the wrong. Maybe I'm the naive one. Uh, but at the time I said, listen, uh, we've lost some ad revenue, but I've gone to the audience and I've said, listen, we we need your support. I get that a lot of people are in tough financial situations, but get a membership, pay five bucks a month if you can afford it. And enough people did where I said to our lawyer and accountant, Let's not do it. It just doesn't feel right. Like, I don't feel like we're really struggling in the way that some of these small businesses that are physical businesses rather than virtual businesses, they're struggling really badly. It feels as though any dollar I take might be a dollar I'm taking away from somebody else. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, you have companies like the ones that Trump and Kushner run and rent to taking money, 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 closing in some cases and not having to pay the money back. And listen, maybe I should have taken it right. I mean, I've spoken on live streams about how in the last month we've had hundreds and hundreds of people have to cancel memberships because they've lost jobs or didn't get jobs back or had hours cut because of what's going on. Maybe I should have taken the money, but then that would make me as bad as them, wouldn't it? Uh, so it's a really um, it, it, it there's a lot of ambiguity, but it certainly didn't feel like this money was intended for me. It sure as hell should not have been intended for billionaires who can float their businesses on their own, but are choosing not to disgusting stuff. And I can only imagine I can only imagine how much more we're going to learn about this in the next few weeks as we continue to comb through the data. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back after this. Uh, much more to discuss on this very important day. The UK approving a coronavirus vaccine for emergency use. The David Pakman Show at DavidPakman.com. 
What if you could read 10 books in just one sitting? That's exactly what one of my favorite apps lets you do. It's called Blinkist. And what they do is take thousands of popular nonfiction books. They condense them down into text or audio that you can consume in 15 minutes. Blinkist makes sure that you're getting all of the important core insights from each book. So it's perfect for exploring a book you otherwise wouldn't have time for. If there's a full book you're thinking about buying, you can use Blinkist to get a sample first. Just think how much you can enrich yourself by being able to soak up an entire nonfiction book in just 15 minutes. I recently checked out the book Podcast Marketing Strategy by Daniel Rolls and Kieran Rogers, and so useful, so particularly applicable to what I'm doing. Really recommend it. Blinkist has books on politics, philosophy, science. They have 27 different nonfiction categories and a subscription is only about eight bucks a month and you get access to the entire library. But you can try it totally free and get 25 percent off a subscription when you go to Blinkist.com slash Pacman. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Pacman. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. So Gabriel Sterling is the voting implementation manager with the Georgia Secretary of State's office, and he has had enough of Trump and went off yesterday during a public statement telling Donald Trump that he's gone too far, that election workers are being threatened and targeted in Georgia thanks to the things Donald Trump has been saying and that Donald Trump must stop inspiring his followers to be violent right away. Check out these videos. And again, this is lifelong Republican Gabriel Sterling, who works for the Republican Georgia Secretary of State, saying Trump has gone too far and he is complicit in the harassment and targeting of poll workers uh, and other election workers in the state of Georgia. It has all gone too far. All of it. Joe DeGeneva today asked for Chris Krebs, a patriot who ran CISA, to be shot. A 20-something tech in Gwinnett County today has death threats and a noose put out saying he should be hung for treason because he was transferring a report on batches from an EMS to a county computer so he could read it. It has to stop. Mr. President, you have not condemned these actions or this language. Senators, you have not condemned this language or these actions. Never mind. I mean, he says Trump hasn't condemned it. Trump has encouraged it. it we're like a few layers removed. Uh, uh, certainly, there hasn't been condemnation because Donald Trump has been encouraging this behavior. And again, just a reminder, this is a lifelong conservative Republican Gabriel Sterling voting implementation manager with the secretary of state in the state of Georgia, Georgia, of course, one of the states that Donald Trump lost to Joe Biden, but insists that he actually won. Let's see a little bit more video here. As the secretary said yesterday, people aren't giving you the best advice on what's actually going on the ground. It's time to look forward. If you want to run for your election in four years, fine, do it. But everything we're seeing right now, there's not a path. 
Be the bigger man here and stop, step in, tell your supporters, don't be violent, don't intimidate. All that's wrong, it's un-American. The Republican Party owns the crazy right now. But when you have one guy like this who says enough is enough, he instantly gets attacked by Trumpists. Here is Gabriel Sterling essentially explaining stochastic terrorism. I don't he doesn't he's not using this term and I don't think he even recognizes that he's doing it, but he's he's effectively doing it when Gabriel Sterling says some people because Trump has so many people that listen to him. Some people will hear the stuff he says and someone could do something violent on Donald Trump's say so. Check it out. And, you know, there are people who can be have some righteous indignation to be angry. But there's also people out there at this point in the social media world. We see what happens. There are some nutballs out there who are going to take this and say, the president told me to do this. Essentially, you have to be responsible. You have to be responsible in your rhetoric. You have to be responsible in your statements. You have to be responsible in your deeds. That shouldn't be too much to ask for people who ask to, for us to give them responsibility. This is really the crux of stochastic terrorism, which is the idea that given a big enough audience, it starts to become likely and probable that if a media figure plants a certain idea in the minds of their audience, if there's you know, if you attack someone every day on your show, um, and your audience is 100 people, it's not super likely that your attacks will motivate anybody to actually go and try to kill that person, as an example. But if your audience is a million or 10 million or, you know, 80 million as Trump's audience is on Twitter, including certainly some bots, but okay, 80 million roughly, uh, even if it's only a one in 80 million chance that somebody will hear what you say and go and attack someone. Once you have 80 million people that are listening to what you say, that starts to become probable and likely. And that's essentially what Gabriel Sterling is referring to here. And of course, he's absolutely correct. He's saying the right thing. Now, at the same time, Gabriel Sterling has been part of the machine in Georgia that has been suppressing the vote in ways Republicans believe are advantageous trying to suppress the non-white vote, trying to su uh, suppress the non-rich vote for a long time. And you've got a lot of people now holding up Gabriel Sterling as some kind of hero because, look, he Republican takes on Trump right now. As far as we know, he's taking on Trump because his friends are poll workers and it's all about protecting his friends and it's not really about running fair elections. I don't know one way or, or, or the other, but the point is, He's saying the right thing in this instance. He may be saying it for the right reasons. He may not. But Georgia is one of the worst places in the country as far as voter suppression is concerned. And Sterling's been part of it for a long time. He's been part of it as a, a, a worker, as an employee of the secretary of state's office. He was previously a right wing councilman in Georgia. So as much as he's not trying to stop a problem he's identified, he's been a part of the problem for a very, very long time. Broken clocks can still be right every once in a while. I think this is one of those examples. Trump doesn't care. And he immediately this guy becomes enemy number one for the Trumpists who believe because Trump keeps saying it and some Fox News hosts keep saying it. And so do others. 
for the people that believe Trump really did win. Joe Biden really did steal this thing. This isn't going to make a difference. But needless to say, it's very interesting to watch. One of the most sinister characters in the Greek tragedy that has been the Trump presidency is without a doubt Donald Trump's press secretary, Kaylee McEnany, who also plays a dual role on television where sometimes she's not White House press secretary, but instead she's merely a campaign advisor for Donald Trump's presidential campaign. Yesterday, I played clips for you of Kaylee on Fox News Monday night saying things about voter fraud as a campaign advisor. And then Tuesday morning, I mean, we're talking 12 hours, 11 hours later, maybe even on a different Fox Fox show, Fox and Friends saying when asked about those claims, oh, you know, you've got to talk to the campaign about that, because today I'm here as White House press secretary. How convenient, how convenient. Well, it's this completely Kafka esque situation that they've created. It's mimetic, quite frankly. And here is Kaylee once again last night on Sean Hannity's program holding up now. I guess these are ballots. Uh, Previously, she's held up reams of paper. Sometimes she'll hold up a book or a three ring binder. And this time it's a ballot or a paper with a lot of Sharpie circles on it. And there's there's something particularly ironic about this one. Take a look like this, where they actually list out all of the circles are different ballot numbers. They've written the specific ballot number down that was dated January 1st, 1900 for someone who didn't. So the absolute hilarity is that now without any sensible legal argument left to make with no credible path to overturning the results in even a single state, never mind the multiple states they would need to overturn for for Donald Trump to win. Uh, on the basis of non-existent voter fraud. Now she is relegated to talking about what are essentially confusing layouts on pieces of paper. And those who have been following politics for some time may remember the irony of this, because back in the year 2000, the Florida results were the question with hanging chads and these butterfly ballots where the candidate's name was on one side and there would be an arrow pointing to the other side. And it was unclear. Okay, that was when Republicans didn't want to do a recount. That was when Republicans didn't want to really look closely and ascertain what was the intention of this voter in uh, filling out this ballot. They said, no, no, no. Stop the recount. Secretary of State Catherine, Florida Secretary of State Catherine Harris getting involved, the Supreme Court getting involved now after all of their other arguments have failed and been dismissed by courts as having no merit. Kaylee McEnany is relegated to saying the layout is confusing. There's stuff all over the page. Look, I've circled it with a Sharpie. They're pathetic. Uh, Kaylee continues with her various pieces of paper. Check it out. Exactly. There's no praise. I mean, this is one county here, one county where you have literally hundreds of pages in one county um, in Wayne County, Detroit, all across the country. This is uh, I I tweeted about this. This is the gish gallop in paper form. That's what this has been from Kaylee McEnany and and others who just hold up papers. Gish get this is actually this may be instructive to some. Gish gallop is a debate term, okay? And what it means is when a debater tries to overwhelm their opponent just by making lots of arguments, even if the arguments are bogus, right? You make many arguments, it's quantity over quality. You make a lot of arguments in a debate. 
without regard for the accuracy or the strength of the arguments. That's called the gish gallop. This is gish gallop by paper using an excessive number of pieces of paper to make an argument based on the idea that you have so many pieces of paper with no regard to the accuracy or strength or validity or, or relevance of any of those pieces of paper. And that's exactly what we've seen. We've seen some of these pieces of paper uh, say uh, that the, the poll workers didn't like how they were treated, that somebody was rude to them. We've seen these pieces of paper uh, refer to towns that aren't even in the states where they claim to be indicating there was voter fraud. So, for example, there was a, I'm trying to remember now there was a filing made in either Pennsylvania or Georgia, which said, look at the fraud in Michigan in these five towns. And none of those five towns were in Michigan. The five towns were in Minnesota. So it's gish gallop by paper. And then here's just one more where Kaylee again pulls out this term she created electoral epidemic, which is it should be seen as a joke anyway. Take a look. A pandemic and created an electoral epidemic, but we are fighting new lawsuit today in Wisconsin just filed 366 pages detailing how Wisconsin law was violated. So these people are. Well, listen, I mean, if the lawsuit is 366 pages, it must be substance substantive, right? And every time I hear that phrase electoral epidemic, I think, yes, it was an epidemic of people voting in record numbers. More people than ever before decided to go and vote. That's the epidemic. By the way, can you believe it's already been a month since the election? It, it's stunning how time is flying. And the good news of that is Trump will be gone from the White House before you know it. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. Here is just a nice, friendly voicemail. These are relatively rare. This is high praise for the show and our uh, our staff. Take a look. Hey, Dave, John, just wanted to thank you. Um, I think um, everyone would agree that you've assembled a wonderful team around you. Well, not not everyone would agree. Not everyone would agree, but I'm glad that at least some people do. You should see my vo my inbox, though. Not everybody agrees. Uh, you have a sense of the greater good and a logical discourse that allows others to understand your point of view, even if they don't agree. Bravo. I love the praise. Unfortunately, John is giving a lot of the people in our in our audience too much credit. And I'm, I'm talking about the haters who don't understand what I'm talking about. And they will write to me defiantly and strongly telling me I was wrong about something I didn't even say. That may be actually one of the more, you know, people say are the uh, what about the insults Do the insults, the insults you get used to? What's very frustrating is getting emails from people furious with me about something I didn't say angry with me about an argument I didn't make um, because it just you know, it's, it's like punching a paper bag or whatever. Try to punch trying to punch your way out of a wet paper bag or maybe there's some other analogy or metaphor that makes more sense. Listen, I have something very nice to announce today. Um, we've had so much just deep election related stuff going on that tomorrow, Thursday night, December 3rd at 8 p.m. Eastern, I will be co-hosting a chess tournament with the international master Levy Rosman. OK, Levy and I are co-hosting this tournament. It starts at 8 p.m. Eastern and you can join the David Pakman chess club at chess.com to participate. 
uh, at davidpackman.com slash chess, davidpackman.com slash chess, davidpackman.com slash chess. That'll redirect you and you can join my chess.com chess club. This is all free. I'm not selling you anything other than a good time. Um, tomorrow, starting at seven Eastern, you will be able to register for the tournament, which will start at eight. I will be playing in the tournament and streaming. Levy Rosman will be playing in the tournament and streaming for the first hour. It'll be a 90 minute tournament. The last half hour, Levy and I will be doing commentary on the games of some of the folks who will be leading, uh, uh, who are who, who are in the lead at that point in time. No chess experience necessary. Play a little today. Get familiar with the game. DavidPackman.com slash chess. I think it will be a great time. It'll be a great break from politics. Uh, Grandmaster Benjamin Feingold, who's a supporter of the David Pakman show, has agreed to play in the tournament. And there may be some other chess stars who will be playing. So this is if you if you just want politics, this isn't for you. But if you want to participate in the community and you like the idea of doing something a little bit different, I hope you will join us. DavidPakman.com slash chess. Join the chess club. And then tomorrow night you'll be able to register for the tournament. All right. On the bonus show today. We now with the approval of the Pfizer coronavirus vaccine in the UK and that same approval expected here in the next seven to 10 days, we are starting to see priority lists about who should get the vaccine first. In what order do healthcare workers go before nursing uh, home residents or not? These are the types of questions that are now being discussed and which we will discuss on today's bonus show. Also. Brazilian Amazon deforestation has surged. And lastly, activists have dropped body bags outside the homes of a number of prominent Republicans um, related to the pandemic, related to a desired second coronavirus stimulus. All of those stories and more on today's bonus show. Get instant access by signing up at joinpacman.com.